Okay, welcome to the American Liberties Call. It is, uh, oh, it's March already, isn't it? How fast things go. It's March 4th, and like always, we got Dave Marilyn on the phone tonight. But before we get started, see what Dave, I have no idea what Dave's going to talk about, but let me tell you what I want to talk about real quick. It's not going to be long. You know, I'm trying to get everybody to come together in a matrix form. I got one or two, and and Rick, I need you to call me tomorrow or after the call, but maybe tomorrow because I'm going to be busy after the call doing something. But um, I got a matrix, a three by a four by eight, that if everybody starts getting involved. Not only will you make make money, but we'll make money. Everybody will make money together, and we'll help each other. For instance, I have one guy. I know I don't have I don't have one guy. I know a guy has just got indicted. He's got to go to court, and you know, and it's going to cost him dearly because we don't have the the uh, the momentum behind him to help him. We have a guy who's ready to take uh, a case to the Supreme Court. He's going to need to drum up some money to help him, you know, get all the printing done and yada, yada, yada. Takes money, people. It takes, I don't care how you look at it, you could be as poor and happy as you like. But if you can't get something done for a lack of money, I don't know how in the heck you can be happy. And And on the administrative side, I'm going to be turning. I'm going to be bringing people to a guy that that can help you, um, and and I have no doubt he'll be able to help 90 percent, if not 99.9 percent of the people. But it um, and and using Section 83 as well as well some other stuff. There's nothing wrong in using the other stuff. But when it all boils down to it, like I've said many many times before forget all the issues also I'll stipulate for this conversation that I am a ticket paying federal tax paying federal employee stamped on my head federal property okay how does section 83 how did you use section 83 to determine my compensation for my services is gross income. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know one other thing. Nothing. Just that. And this case is going to the Supreme Court. He argues Section 83, and the appeals court didn't even bother to address 83, went right to gross income in 78 or 76, blah, 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 blah. And and didn't even, and, and all Rick did is argue Section 83. And, and, and they didn't even look at it. So I would think the question to the Supreme Court and 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 he's listening on the phone. So so is, uh, the guy is helping him. I think a fair question would be: Is can an appeals court ignore law and use the court 
to to agree with the lower court, you know, or something along like that. Can they just ignore a law? Can when the law is so evident, it's right in your face. There's nowhere other place to look, but in section 61 that takes you to 83, and 83 takes you to compensation pay for services if there's nothing nothing over the amount paid for that would go to gross income how in the heck can the law the courts ignore the law and say this guy made gross income so with that that's all i got to say and anybody wants to join me in gathering this and getting this momentum going um you know, you got to get with me because I, I'm on it and I'm going for it and uh, and I need help. And if you don't want to help, help me fine. Don't. But if you do, get on with me. I'll help you make money. I'll make money. He'll make money. You'll make money. And, and we got a product to sell that even if you don't use it, tough. Okay, with that being said, Dave, I'd like to introduce Dave Merlin. I met him back in 2006. And it was his attitude that really, really got me. His bad, terrible uh, uh, attitude against corrupt government. Can you imagine that? <laughs> it's hard to imagine. You could be upset on a corrupt government of the misrepresentation of taxation. But let's let's all know it's not misrepresentation. It's it's. Uh, it's willful misrepresentation. There's a criminal intent for their their misrepresentation, and it's called extortion. And with that, I'll turn it over to Dave. Dave, go ahead. Thanks, Chris. Welcome, everybody, to the Wednesday, March 4th, 2020, American Liberty Call. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. So uh, about Section 83, it's, uh, it's a governing statute. It explains how to tax the entire workforce. And we've been hitting the government with it for the last five years in a bunch of different court cases and it's finally to the point where they just will not mention it uh in the robert orth case uh on appeals 2017 they simply said it's an outlandish theory wages and wages are gross income like it or not and in a recent uh judgment against an appellant on the fourth circuit they said uh Wages or gross income, the U.S. versus Sullivan. And they didn't reason that Section 83 provides for it. They simply won't talk about it. So now on the Fourth Circuit, basically, we got a decision that says that a Supreme Court case imposes what you pay because they can't prove under the law that it's imposed. And um, let's see, the Robert Orr tax court decision says uh, he makes a frivolous argument under Section 83, but 61A says wages are gross income. Yeah, but that statute, 61A, tax code, unless I say otherwise, 61A starts by saying, except as otherwise provided. 61B 
says for items specifically included in gross income, see part two of that chapter, which is section 71 through 90. I think 83 is in the middle of that somewhere. And so the law instructs you to consider those statutes regarding things that are specifically included in gross income, and the court won't talk about them. So they say it's an outlandish theory, and we can't talk about it. See uh, U.S. versus Sullivan, like the Supreme Court case imposes the tax, and we can't talk about it. And governing statute is an outlandish theory that we can't talk about. So we brought the courts to this dead end where they simply can't refute the law, and it goes back to my particular focus, and the reason my focus is trying to prevent indictments. And you do your best, you do your best, and the most you might get out of an effort like this of going to court and going to court is you probably won't be indicted. Because how can they tell a jury that you're willful in violation of the law when you got docket number after docket number where the court keeps the law secret. You're the plaintiff again and again in different lawsuits, and they can't even talk about the law that they say explains how to tax the entire workforce. And uh, it's why I've narrowed my focus to uh, the possibility of criminal charges to try to prevent indictments. It's the best you can do because every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. I got 100 Supreme Court cases that say if the language of the statute is clear, the case is over because we're just the courts. And the exception to that is the tax man. The tax man owns every court, but the tax man does not own the jury. And so it forces me to focus on the possibility of criminal charges and trying to keep people in the posture that. Uh, says uh, we can't indict this guy because he meets the definition of innocent. In the chat, here you go, there's two documents. The first one is a letter from the Criminal Investigations Division of the IRS in Denver. And uh, the uh, second is the James Back trial memorandum from the government, 2014. Anchorage, Alaska, U.S. District Court tax evasion case. The guy had filed a bunch of Pete Hendrickson tax returns that was sentenced to 16 months. But on pages five through seven of that memorandum, the government tells you who is innocent. And they quote, model criminal jury instruction 9.42 from the Ninth Circuit that says if somebody has a good faith misunderstanding of the law, even if it's unreasonable, then they're not willful and they have to be willful to be guilty. So um, that's, the, that's the posture that I would try to meet. I can't give you legal advice. There's no such thing as legal advice. The judge will do what the judge wants in any particular case. I've seen it, and I've seen it, and I've seen it, not just tax cases. And um, uh, these judges have families. And everybody in their family feels free to send their kids to the same school that your kids go to. They feel free to walk into your church. And it's obscene because they're all criminally insane, every single one of them. There isn't a single judge 
that you can take Section 83 to that won't protect the tax man over the law. They choose the tax man every single time. And think about it. On uh, takefromcaesar.us, I'm going there now. I see the picture of the Federal Reserve Branch at the top of the page. I scroll. There's paragraphs side by side. And right below that, there's a group of links to individual pages at wevgov.com. You click on state income taxation, and you see, you learn right there that Section 83 is state law in most instances where a state income tax is imposed. California Code Section 17081 says that part of the tax code is state law. I'm the only one in the country that can interpret it. And there isn't a single judge you can take that to that knows anything about it. And that's where you learn that, oh, Judge Judy isn't really a judge. And yet, uh, and she's a terrible example of a judge. Her demeanor is utterly uh, Stalinistic. So she's a, a terrible example of a judge. And uh, she's making like $47 million a year off of her show, which is uh, ending soon. She's going to start another show. And uh, you learn that every individual that calls itself a judge, suddenly they evaporate under the weight of the tax man. The tax man owns every single judge. So the best you can do, uh, they don't own the jury. And that's the dynamic of the justice system that I focus on is do what they can't afford to present to a jury. And so you, you take the jury away from them before they even start a criminal case. You say, okay, I got a bunch of stuff I want to show the jury. And if it's just the law and they run from the law over and over and over again, uh, you've just taken the jury away from them. And Chris and I have prevented plenty of indictments. It's not 100%. You can't predict corruption. However, uh, things got a lot better a couple weeks ago when it came out that uh, Mr. Trump, our president, uh, I'm going to get this document into the chat for you. It's on my desktop somewhere. He moved clemency authority from the Department of Justice into the White House, into the Office of American Innovation, which is run by his uh, son, Jared Kushner. Uh, please don't advertise somebody else's videos on this channel. They have nothing to do with what I do. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, and Mr. Boggs says uh, um, that U.S. versus Sullivan doesn't even touch on Section 83. In the case of uh, FDA versus Brown and Williamson, Supreme Court 2001, you look at Part B of the court's decision, and you'll see that the Supreme Court calls a statutory argument the intrinsic evidence of the person making the argument. 
So in U.S. versus Sullivan, Section 83 wasn't even in evidence, and yet it cited against somebody that argues Section 83 without comment on Section 83. So it's uh, it's simply a dead end, except for the fact you can use it to take away the jury. And we've done it a bunch of times. Chris was the first one to benefit in that way uh, from my research and my New Year's of 06 congressional filing of a criminal complaint, 180 pages all told. 58 was a memorandum, 58 pages. 33-page criminal complaint, 12-page notarized cover letter with a couple of the pages of exhibits, and um, a like a I think it was a six or seven-page abstract of primary claims, seven-page certificate of service, um, seven or eight-page table of authorities. And at one point, when I was heaviest into this, um, I could go through that table of authorities, which is just a list of the cases and statutes cited, and I could go case by case. I'd look at the name of the case, and I'd say, this was cited to underscore this tenet of law. This case was cited because it says this. That case was cited because it says that. This ca and I could go case by case right through that list and tell you why I cited that case without going to find the case in the brief to see why I cited it. So this is, this is work that I've been through and been through and been through uh, nonstop for years. And uh, finally wrote that 58-page 58 58-page 58 memorandum, which is kind of the icing on the cake. And uh, we're at a dead end, except for the fact that we can still work on uh, the jury that they have to choose and we can do so preemptively. And here on uh, TalkShoe, the American Liberties Call, 87488, Chris has an archive going back uh, months and years where you can listen to episode after episode and hear the results of this litigation. You can hear the commencement, uh, description of the commencement of litigation, two lawsuits, South Carolina, two in South Dakota, uh, counterclaim in Kentucky, Texas Tax Court appeals to the 7th, 9th, and 11th Circuit, and those three appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And you can hear all the discussions of all this litigation. And yet the best we can hope for is to not be indicted. It's a dead end because every judge is as corrupt as the day is long when they look right at the governing statute and say, outlandish theory. They look right at it and say, oh, well, U.S. versus Sullivan imposes the tax. Or, oh, we go, but uh, the law does not displace a general rule that wages are gross income. General rule? The law says the value of your labor is a cost. Oh, well, we have a general rule here. Well, that general rule better be from Congress because that general rule creates a subject of taxation. Only Congress is allowed to do that, right? 16th Amendment, Congress can lay and collect an income tax. Congress doesn't write general rules. But we've gotten them to put on paper, right out in the public, on the record, these outlandish reasons why you owe the tax when none of it has anything to do with Section 83. From a court system that says 
Section 83 explains how to tax the entire workforce until you argue it in relation to the standard paycheck or fee for the self-employed. <laughs> so we've come that far, and it, that is the bottom line, is that you can't have it because the judges say so. I'm currently writing for a man who has a good faith explanation of his take on the law filed with the government way back when, probably a couple years ago, that they never addressed, and yet they've chosen to indict him. Well, how is that not an attempted kidnapping? They arrested him and let him out on certain uh, conditions. And um, so I'm writing a criminal complaint alleging that the U.S. attorney for that district and the prosecutors that got the indictment are engaged in a conspiracy against his rights. 18 U.S.C. 241 makes that a 10-year felony and an attempted kidnapping. 18 U.S.C. 1201. You go back to Section 241 and you find out that if the conspiracy against rights includes an attempted kidnapping or an actual kidnapping, it's a capital offense. They can get the death penalty for that. So I'm writing a criminal complaint that accuses uh, DOJ personnel and the Criminal Investigations Division of the IRS that participated in this investigation, accusing them of a capital offense for this man to go on record with uh, in hopes that he can present it to the jury if they take him all the way to trial. See how much of a dead end this is, that the work I do comes down to where you have to file a, an accusation of a capital offense against government employees? It's, it's a lot of things. It's depressing. It's amazing. It's uh, futile. Um, you can't predict corruption. You never know what they're going to do because you can't predict insanity. And if you read the definition of criminal insanity, let's do that. Criminal insanity. Uh, let's see. Criminal insanity. A mental defect or disease that, as understood in most states, makes it impossible for a person to know what he or she is doing, or if he or she does know, to know that what they are doing is wrong. Some states define as insane those defendants who acted under an irresistible impulse. Amen. That's what we're talking about right there. Even if they knew their actions were wrong, defendants who are criminally insane cannot be convicted of a crime because criminal conduct involves the conscious intent to do wrong, a choice that the criminally insane cannot meaningfully make. These child molesters that we call public servants they know what they're doing is wrong. They can't identify in law how the tax is imposed, and they still bring criminal charges against people. For violating a law, they can't even prove imposes the tax, imposes the requirement to file. So I think they're right in the middle of this definition. Uh, in fact, uh, here it comes. Criminal insanity. Let me paste that right into the chat. 
So we have no questions here in case I was reading too quickly. Uh, and there you go. <clears throat> and it sounds like every or every public servant, not just politicians. They just don't care because they're never held to account. Uh, they might be fired. That's about the worst that'll happen. How many women did you rape in that jail, officer? Oh, you're fired. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's a lot of things. It's amazing. It's depressing. It's uh, foreboding. Just uh, too much, way too much. And that is the uh, law.cornell.edu uh, definition of criminal insanity. So uh, don't go up against them, folks, because the judge is every bit as criminally insane as the prosecutor. So uh, this man who has been indicted, it happens, by the way, to be the man uh, whose, whose indictment is the subject of the YouTube channel upload of mine called, let's see, which one is that? Uh, America's number two toilet, the DOJ. The second most recent upload at present. And in two weeks that it's been up, I got 700 views on it. Whoopie do. And uh, the grand jury lied, or the uh, prosecution lied to the grand jury and said the guy was willful. They have a, an explanation from him of what he thought the law said. He filed 1040 NRs under penalties of perjury. Doesn't that indicate that he believes he's fulfilled his lawful duties? He filed zero tax returns under penalties of perjury. How is that not exculpatory evidence? They presented it to the grand jury saying, this is evidence of the crime. And you think you're going to do something that will get your money back or preserve your freedom? So uh, they've really uh, got me down a, an alley. There's just one way to go, and that's to try to take the jury away from them. And that's what Chris and I do. The, um, there's also a video here about the uh, Join My Criminal Complaint, uh, uploaded about a year ago. Code Breaker with David Merlin, Join My Congressional Criminal Complaint. On the homepage of takefromcaesar.us, there's a link to that page in the uh, couple of paragraphs that are side by side near the top of the page. Uh, join the criminal complaint. Click on that link. And uh, let's see. Let's locate that for you. Let's see here. I'm looking, folks. Gosh, I thought I had a joinder link on this page. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's right below the last of those paragraphs that are side by side. It says, join the tax congressional criminal complaint. Here comes the link to that page. The instructions are at the bottom of the page. And it's a way to say, 
Now, he went to 80 members of Congress. cost me almost $6,000. Uh, guest 26, we got to stay on point, okay? There's a whole bunch of patriot movement rabbit holes you can run down. I'm the one taking people all the way to the Supreme Court repeatedly. So you got to focus on the ball, please. Um, the Joinder page is in the chat. And um, it went to 80 members of Congress. Uh, that page is the answer to your question. The, uh, it, there's a YouTube tutorial about it. There's a page about it with instructions at the bottom on how to join it. It went to 80 members of Congress, 180 pages. Uh, cost me almost six grand to do all the mailing, the printing, the notarization. And uh, you have to pay for the distribution of a document to members of Congress. It goes to a clearinghouse first as of the, uh, the 2011 anthrax. Or the 2001 um, anthrax scare, yeah, 2001. So it goes to a clearinghouse for the Senate or the clearinghouse uh, mail distribution center, and you pay a fee to them also, in addition to the postage to get your package there. But back to the complaint, New Year's of 06. Um, when you join, you're filing an affidavit. You can download the affidavit right there on that page, and if you choose to join, you pay Chappie a fee, and he'll distribute it to Congress for you and send you back a certificate of service to show that you are now a co-complainant. If you want to buy the criminal complaint, I go to takefromcaesar.us, and right below those uh, paragraphs that are side-by-side, -side, I have a group of links on wevgov.com. Click on Products. And you scroll down the products page and you order Take From Caesar, Volumes 1 and 2. Volume 1 is the 2006 complaint. Volume 2 is the 2014 supplemental memorandum that went to those, uh, those three committees in Congress. And it's been ignored since I filed it. They aren't going to talk about it. They won't get into it. And yet they got all these plans to drive up the debt. Since 2006, how many trillions of dollars have been added to the debt? with the plan on uh, taking it right out of the pocket of the American workforce. So you just can't have the law. But once you join, uh, that complaint becomes your exhibit. Saying, I joined this complaint. These are my findings. Uh, I believe this to be true. And I joined that complaint as a similarly situated victim or witness uh, of or to crime. And then you have your affidavit of joinder and the complaint that you joined uh, to wield in your own defense. No guarantees. It's worked for a bunch of people. You have in the chat that letter from the IRS Criminal Investigations Division in uh, Denver. Um, it says you're no longer part of a criminal investigation, uh, no longer the subject of a criminal investigation. And uh, I don't know how much proof you need. You know, if you need more proof than that, keep listening to these calls. Take more of my uh, my tutorials on my YouTube channel called Take From Caesar. And it's linked right at the top of takefromcaesar.us. Can't miss it. And uh, if you need more proof than that, I don't know what to tell you other than don't go to somebody else and do what they tell you. Literally millions of people have stayed out of prison by following my advice. My advice is to 
do what H&R Block says you can get away with and nothing more. So millions of people have avoided indictment by following my suggestion. Can't do that with Pete Hendrickson. Can't do that with David Champion. <laughs> so uh, I've got the best record in that regard. And don't poke the beast because you'll hear in all these calls what happens to people that do. Just don't. Avoid it. Uh, you deserve a better life than to live with government in your life. Um, guest 26 says the complaint is where every American needs to be. Thank you. Um, you need to know what the government can and cannot do. And even that's not good enough. It, goes to the, it comes down to know what the government is willing to do and what the government is not willing to do. Pretty sad state of affairs, and uh, I can't call this a country anymore. A country has courts. America does not. So uh, simply be careful. And like I said, I'm right in the middle of writing a capital offense, criminal complaint for a guy that was indicted when the government knows he's not willful. They'll go right to a grand jury and lie. They never even ask the guy if he believes he had a duty. Never even asked. Just went right to the grand jury and said, he's willful. Watch the tutorial called America's Number Two Toilet, the DOJ, very recently uploaded. That's the guy that uh, hired me to write his criminal complaint. He's got great evidence, uh, a substantial uh, record of attempts to get to the bottom of the law with the IRS. We don't care. We're going to indict the guy. So you're dealing with the criminally insane called the Department of Justice, which is why the president said, I'm taking your pardon authority away. Clemency will now be handled inside of the White House instead of inside of the DOJ Office of the Pardon Attorney, uh, the U.S. Pardon Attorney. So uh, clemency authority will now be uh, revamped and remanaged in a form that suits the president instead of a form that suits the criminally insane. What a concept, hey? I have to tell you, I've started listening to a particular guy on talk radio that is, uh, the guy's on fire. He's great. You gotta read his resume. I'll give you the link to his show. And, uh, Read his resume on that channel and uh, listen to his archive of calls. He's just dynamite. His name is Chris Plant, P-L-A-N-T-E. And on my Twitter page, I just posted this yesterday, or maybe this morning, uh, coming up here in the chat. Copy and paste. Oh, look at that. Twitter's has uh Akshu's going to give you the whole damn thing here. Ah, you got to spare me. These people at Talkshu will never have it together. They never will. I can't even click on you pieces of junk. Just pieces of junk. Ah. Okay, I'll try this again. My Twitter channel is at WeVGov. 
see if this works. And I went and jammed it. Oh, God. You've got to spare me. Okay. i got to rejoin the, uh, the window here. Okay, here it comes. Chris Plant. Uh, the guy's on fire, and his resume is great. He was at CNN for 16 years as a Pentagon correspondent. And read the rest of his resume on, uh, let's see what channel he's on. I'll get you the link to that. Uh, <laughs> he's, he really is. He's on fire every morning. And uh, I just love the guy, really. Uh, because I don't like the people at Fox News anymore. Nobody gets to finish a thought. Okay, I'm looking. Give me just a second, and I'll have the uh, homepage of the... Uh, he's on 660, the answer. Uh, let's see. No, he's on WMAL. W-M-A-L out of Washington, D.C., where Washington comes the top, W-M-A-L. And I go to that homepage, WMAL.com, it's Washington Mall, W-M-A-L, and I scroll to, uh, let's see, I'm at the top of their homepage, podcasts, I click on podcasts. And I wait. Oh, there it is. Okay. Podcast. And you see Chris Plant show right there, the picture. I click on that picture. And here's his uh, podcast episodes on that channel. Here it comes into the chat. So anyway, read his resume. And uh, every morning, he's, he just rattles off diatribe at Democrats, progressives, the left, and corrupt politicians very fluidly and comedically. He's a funny guy, and he has a great resume of experience. And uh, you listen to the guy, and it's obvious he's been a lot of places, read a lot of stuff, and he understands a lot about politics and America, and he's funny about it. He really is just throwing in dig after dig after dig about anybody he chooses to, to lambaste on his show. And if you can amuse me and keep me entertained and informed, uh, that's a magical um, combination. So I listen to Chris Plant, believe it. You'll have fun at that channel. <clears throat> so joining the complaint, pardon me a second, <coughs> allows you to wield the complaint as your own. And uh, if you want to see the whole complaint, take from Caesar Volume 1. Available on my products page at vvgov.com. So uh, uh, get with it, folks. You don't want to be without it when the IRS comes knocking. you got to build a record of complaining about the law so that you fit into the legal definition of not willful that they tell you all about in the James Back trial memorandum. Now, um, when I get done with this criminal complaint, I'll likely uh, depersonalize it 
redact the personal information, change the name of the litigant, and uh, probably publish it. So you can get it in book form. It's going to be a great desk reference for how the law is violated when false charges are brought. And you want to be able to wield that, you know, buy a copy for your favorite IRS agent. <clears throat> buy a copy for the local U.S. attorney that might think you ought to be indicted for tax crimes. And you want to build that record right away so you get the definition of innocence because you can't predict corruption. Unless you're totally within the system, you know, filing those tax returns, paying the amounts they say you owe, well, then you got nothing to worry about. It'll always be a civil matter after that. But um, if you have not filed a tax return, if you have not paid what they say you owe, uh, game on. They'll do what they want, and you can't stop them unless you can prove in advance you're innocent. <clears throat> so uh, personally, I would do what the James Back trial memorandum says uh, constitutes proof of innocence, which is a good faith explanation of the law, even if unreasonable. Like, uh, hey, uh, I copyrighted my name and uh, have filed a notorial protest with the uh, Commerce Department declaring my signature is a planet outside the solar system. That's an unreasonable explanation, but even if it's unreasonable, it's a good faith misunderstanding of the law, even if unreasonable. And the government says that constitutes innocence. I don't suggest you do any of that, of course. I know too much to do that to you. But um, with the understanding they'll do what they want and the law matters not, uh, don't just sit there. <laughs> don't just sit there and wait for them. That can only be bad news. So, hey, with all of that having been said, um, why don't we uh, call it a day, Chris? And uh, I want to thank everybody for joining the call. Good head count today. And uh, if you haven't been to Take From Caesar on YouTube for a while, I've posted some videos in the last couple of weeks that, uh, of course, I recommend you observe. But you certainly don't have to if you're tired of what I have to say. Um, you have every every right to be, and you might even have good reason to be. Uh, you never know, do you? So um, uh, listen to the calls archived here on 87488, and uh, you're certainly welcome. I'm glad to, to do this. Remember, every call is a sales call. Uh, we try to survive by selling those materials. So I'd rather not perform services for people. I'd rather sell materials, of course, but um, you hear me from time to time speaking about providing services for people. And uh, you just can't predict what the government's going to do. So uh, CYA, cover your account and uh, stay out of jail. All yours, Chris. Okay, thank you, Dave. Um... I just, I'm, I'm going to put a link in there uh, as soon as I get myself together here. Hold on just a second. And um, I want everybody to imagine, just, just imagine if you would, if you could, the IRS write you a letter and say, hey, you, you owe us $46,000. And you could 
give a check to a bondsman or to uh, uh, some, maybe a, a lawyer you could trust if you can find one, and and but not signed, unsigned. You, you didn't sign it. You make it out to the Internal Revenue Service or the Department of the Treasury or whoever you write it to and say, look, I promised to pay. Here's a check right here. The third party has it. If you just answer the questions that you can give a, a um, tell me why, tell me your interpretation that would overrule the court's and the commissioners position on how section 83 operates in your conclusion that my paycheck is gross income or i wouldn't even say paycheck i would say my compensation for my services see it's mine okay and i'm not I'm not the one that's arguing. The courts have said, the courts have given me the reason that I'm standing on. The commissioner has given the reason that I'm standing on. For many years now, from 1993, we have it documented. From 1993 to 2019. And the reason we don't have 220 because they're, uh, 2020 because they're changing the the code and uh, and and that will be updated and come out but it's going to read the same your services are the cost okay and you got paid you got compensated for your services which is the cost nothing over and above the compensation paid for services Therefore, Section 83 applies. And if the courts have said it, and the commissioner has said it for over 20 years now, tell me, Mr. Agent, how it, what is your interpretation that would, that would rule differently than what the courts and the commissioner have said? I got to know. And isn't that powerful? The only thing you're missing right now is is having that money where you can do it. And so I I, I really like to get you guys to join because one day it, you know you're gonna wish you did, and I I don't want I don't want that to happen. I want to all I want us to be aggressive. I want to I want to have a momentum like you see in these other crazy groups like black lives matters and all that you know they're they're crazy because all lives matter it doesn't matter if you're white or black republican or democrat it doesn't matter we're all human beings we're all people some you know of course some low low life and some the higher life but but ir- irrelevant the government does does not have a right to extort money from you, me, or anybody else. Ain't nothing going to happen until you get going. I mean, each and every one of you. And like I said, there's a link right there. Max's M A X O U S C O U S. Excuse me. 
N-A-X-O-U-S dot com forward slash Chappie. And sign up and, and you know, put your email and phone number and everything in there. I'm going to start working this and working this diligently for all of us to join together and hopefully a momentum. And if you don't want want to do it, fine. I'll get paid. People who just want to join the May make money could care less. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't have to worry, but many of you do. And many of you that I want to help, but I can't do it for you. But I can sure help you. So with that being said, God bless America. And this call is now officially over. Good night.